I'm gonna do my inhale. Nobody else has to do it. How would we do your inhale? Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so the mad. The physics you're of back. it have me so confused. <laughs> everyone and welcome to the outpost of podcast about inspired thinking i am so happy to be here it's me it's mark it's tom it's Teresa. everybody say hi hi and cut very good okay so i'm gonna move into community questions because i get to be in charge of community questions today which i never get to be and so special me question <laughs> question number one for Teresa. Teresa, this is the last time we're going to get to have you on the podcast. You are about to go kick rocks and uh, <laughs> upgrade yourself to Orange Nebula customer only. So I think it is only fitting at this time that we find out what some of your biggest takeaways have been from your time inside the Nebula. So it's it's been really interesting and weird and emotional to think about all of the relationships I inadvertently picked up. Like, you're I, like Velcro. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's like, it just sticks to me. Like, I'm just one of those fly traps. Um, like, I knew I would make friends with coworkers, right? I knew that was going to happen. What I wasn't expecting were the times I received a customer story that caused me to break down in tears at my desk. Um, like, there's a, a friend, I can say a legit friend now who, and I talked about this on your podcast, when uh, he messaged me and, and thanked me for the community. So he found a community for support and for um, getting mental health help and how he felt that was important, how he bizarrely credits a creative company that builds board games for that. And that's bizarre and it's unique and it's not something I ever saw coming. Um, so you expected customers to make you cry, but not in this way. No, see, so yeah, angry tears where I'm like, I am typing my response with both middle fingers, middle fingers alone, you know? Like, I expected that, but, like, not, like, the 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 feeling, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. Um, what? That's wonderful. <laughs> um, like... I could tell things were going to be different when it's like, okay, now that I have this offer, I need to make sure Tom knows. Because at the time, you weren't back yet. And it's like, how do I navigate that? You know, like how, like you're just going to come back and there's going to be an empty desk. And it's like, well, what did you guys do? You know, like, <laughs> it's kind of like Paul Rudd. Like, what happened here? Are you saying that I look amazing no matter how old I get? <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's what I heard. Take it as you will. Okay. All right. I can't stop how you how you receive things. It was interesting last this this week. You posted in the Outpost community and and wrote a really nice tribute kind of to your time here. And as I've been reading the responses that came back from that, I saw somebody say somebody from the community say we've been spoiled for for too long with your um, 
with your, what'd they say? Your warm, welcoming, encompassing soul. It's time for another community to benefit from your energy. And I thought that mm. was just, mm. just a, that's what brought me to tears when I was reading through it last night. Just seeing how much your energy on a social media platform every day has built these relationships in a way that people have felt welcomed and encompassed and, um, and wherever you're going to be, that's going to be felt. So I'm jealous that you're going to fly trap somewhere else, (laughs) (laughs) but they'll be, they'll be lucky to have you. She crying. I know. Like I'm trying to like turn my 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 one leaky eye away from the camera. Turn your leaky eye. <laughs> it's a rare known fact that Teresa only cries out of one eye, <laughs> but it, cr- it cries twice with twice the force. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's like when one headlight is burnt out or one blinker is burnt out, and the other one goes twice as fast. It's <laughs> Teresa's tear ducts. So the interesting thing about this episode is, as we're saying, um, "Go kick rocks" to Teresa. Um, we're also welcoming back. Tom, so Tom, I guess my biggest question for you um, is how how are how much sanity have you gained after this voluntary sabbatical that you took, where they cracked open your chest and restructured your heart? How how much sanity has returned to you from this voluntary sabbatical? Well, I love that you're calling it voluntary. Like, <laughs> like I was just like, you know, I could go to the coast, but instead I'm going to go have my sternum cracked. Um, how much sanity have I gained? A surprising amount. I, I think I didn't realize how much sanity was lacking. Um, but we now, did. But yeah, now we I, did. Yeah. <laughs> so now I've caught up to what the rest of you knew. Um, I've regained much sanity. It. I think you know. I, I I was starting to pick up on this when we knew that I was going to be going away for surgery. Like I slowed down a bit and I started gaining some perspective. And I talked a lot about this in my little like goodbye video that. I don't know, many people listening have probably seen, but, um, you know, I have been picking up this perspective that I think we all kind of know quietly in the background that like the world is so full of noise and it tries to be really loud, which I talked about in my video. And the more we are able to acknowledge and recognize just how much we, it doesn't need to be. And so much of that noise is empty. Like I'm learning that there's almost like an inverse relationship with how much I am connected with the world and how much I bring to it. Mm. Like the more I disconnect from the world, the more I'm bringing to the world. Can we define the world in that sense? I mean, specifically the noise. Yeah. Social media, the news, the relationship, you know, the conversations your friends are having about popular culture and the news and, you know, whatever. Um, I think, you know, I'm finding it that, that it's very easy when you're just taking in all this stuff that the world is saying to feel like you're being like you're involved or you're a responsible citizen or you're contributing in some way or whatever. But really all that you're doing is just thinking about what everyone else is saying and doing and spending a lot less time actually figuring out who you are, what matters to you. And then, engaging with those things, you know? And so, you know, surgery is crazy. You know, I, I learned that we, you can get through anything. You know, I, it, it struck me before the surgery that, you know, talking to other people who've had major surgeries like open heart surgery are kind of withholding and talking about it. And 
like I wanted to talk to people about it and and I realized after the fact that the reason people do that is because like going into something like that already is hard enough and if someone had described to me like just what it was going to be like like it would have been much harder because these things are hard mm -hmm. um and so I kind of appreciate people being reserved in what they told me and just being listen you can do anything and I think that's true like you you just these things just happen and they're sort of you're like a rock rolling downhill going through this thing and eventually you reach the bottom and you're like okay I've gotten through this it just happened mm -hmm. um but you know then I just you know two months of just being with my family and not having responsibilities and having to humble myself in every way you know I didn't wash my own hair or use my arms basically for two months wow. like think about what you all the things you use your arms for and then realize you can't do that like honey would you tie my shoes and pull my pants up for me and you know scratch my back and hand me my cup and like it just it's very humbling um and it makes it really easy to really quickly remember or realize for the first time like what really matters to you mm -hmm. and let all the other things go you know the things that before the surgery I would have stressed out about in the shower or things that I was working on solutions for and now I realize those aren't worth my energy I don't want to look back on my life like when I look back on my life the things that I spend most of my time stressing out about are not the things I'm going to look back on I won't care so why am I putting all my energy into these things that ultimately don't matter to me and you know so I have I think a much better perspective on life that I really want to hang on to moving forward. Um, also, everything hurts. Mm -hmm. So now I feel like an idiot. Yeah, it's 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 humbling to hear that, right? Because it's so easy. You you see this, you go through this when hard things happen, right? You lose someone. My dad died last year, and you kind of just have moments like that where you realize what what your life could be. And what your life is and in and, and the the perspective change is significant but i wonder what happens where we where we lose that perspective because i've noticed you come back and i've noticed a little bit of these changes in your perspective and you've talked about how, wanting to foster some of that here and <clears throat> i'm wondering what the enemies of those things are what are the what are the bound you know the the obstacles that get us back into these habits of listening to the wrong voices or listening to the noise and those types of things, because I sympathize greatly with somebody who's gone through with what you have. And I can't know that. And I hope I don't know that. Um, but people do hard things all the time and we are, we can do anything. And so I get, I get excited hearing about that, but I wonder, you know, what the, what the mindset is that we should be adopting every day that builds those habits and just kind of lifts other people up because I, I agree, like what we think about is so crucial to what we end up doing. Mm -hmm. It's like when these big life events happen that are either either tragic or very humbling, make you very vulnerable. It's like you almost have this real life whiplash, right? Where what you thought was real life and how you've been operating in your life is is one way and then you are forced to stop that way. 
and there's some pain in that adjustment. But then usually you have to actually go and get help for those things, right? Now you're going to the chiropractor consistently because actually there were all of these problems beforehand that you weren't that you weren't dealing with. So how do you get that? How do you give staying power to this new uh, perspective or this return to this perspective that is what's actually important in life? How do you give more staying power to that? I mean, I think what's interesting, you know, all the things that we're talking about are all things that shake something up. Mm-hmm. You know, it it's a break in the routine of your engagement with the world. And, you know, that's part of what I want to do to maintain this for myself is, you know, I'm going to take more like three-day weekends on vacation. You know, like we're going to leave the house and go somewhere else. And I'm going to go home and hide my phone. And I'm going to like, just, we fall into these, you know, it's been a whole year since I've not done the same thing every day, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and sometimes it's a decade since you've not done the same thing every day. And then a life event happens and you take, you step out of your day to day and you're like, oh my gosh, I couldn't see the forest for the trees. Mm -hmm. And, but the second you step out of it, and so I think we need to build into our life, whatever it looks like for each of us, a stepping out. Mm-hmm. And because I think we naturally reflect when we get pulled out of our routines. Um, routines are beautiful and powerful, but they're also destructive because you can't see them for what they are. They build a rut. Yeah. You know, the same way if you were to take a stick on dirt over and over again, you'd build a rut. And it's sometimes hard to get out of that. But if you could build into your routines exits from that rut or or coming into new ruts well and it's hard um, to see that you're in one yes because As you're so the focused further on down you yeah. get mm-hmm. totally because you can't see over the edge of the rut and mm-hmm. you're down in the rut i picture like a little teeny tom <laughs> inside the dirt like running in a circle and it gets deeper and deeper now and that's tom, teeny tom. That and then my brother is. comes to the hose and fills it with water and says it's a moat and i'm drowning Sorry, I take that too wow. far. No, there's no taking this too far. I think because then someone has to come and like, you know, build. I'm picturing us really small, so now yes. someone's bringing like little leaf rafts, and you're plugging holes in the dike and the whole nine. But then, if the water fills up, you know what happens? You can get out. Yeah, but the gators. <laughs> now there's where the gators where the, the gators were are just they real dormant. Size gators or are they? Because I thought we were tiny people for a minute. Let's let's. They're tiny gators. They're only crocodiles. Are not as bad. I could see it as ants. They could be like ants coming out. Are crocodiles not as bad as alligators? I don't know. I know they have different size or shaped snouts, but I don't know if I which one I'd rather be mauled. My understanding by. is gators are bigger and more aggressive but i, could I don't know how gators and swap. crocodiles got into this conversation in the first mark. place mark is how they got into Moat this conversation gators. that's a hashtag have you watched tiny world on apple tv yes ants are crazy you should watch that that's that's my that Im- sounds like nightmares important statement for the day okay what tom's takeaway from two months of <laughs> Is, have you watched tiny world <laughs> it's my you gra- sound like me after that's my grand wisdom so let's take it around to our main topic for today and i will be the one driving us so around we go um the main topic for today is passion burnout okay so what i'm most curious about from the people sitting on the couches here with us today is whether or not we believe passion is something that can burn out and if it does how it gets there 
um, how we can protect our passion from getting to a space that's burnt out. So uh, let's start with the idea of, is it a real thing? Is passion burnout a real thing? Yes or no? I would say, yeah, hundred percent. Something you've experienced before. Yeah. What about, what about you boys? Have you, do you feel like you've experienced passion burnout at some point? In yeah, your I would say so. For sure. I think it's necessary. Mm. Wow. That's a hot take. Passion burnout is necessary. Go on. Yeah. I think I have to f- complete that thought. I think it's necessary to see your passion into the world the way that you want it to. I believe at least in my experience, everything that I have done that I feel my passions are most closely tied to has other things tied to it that are, that I don't want to do but that make that necessary to bring it into the world. Right. So you can't just choose the fun parts and not the chores. And I found that every passion project I've been involved with for the most part has so many chores attached to it that they do, they do create burnout, especially if it happens at the end of a project when you're done with all the fun part, but it's going to take all this legwork. I won't talk about rule books today, but that, you know, mm-hmm. like where you, you design something or you create something or you start a business or you engage with something and it brings your, your whole heart, especially in the vision stage. And then later you're doing the grunt work and the legwork and you're in the the ditch, you know, digging and shoveling in the moat. To, yeah. in the moat with the gators. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> so I, I feel like, I feel like you can go through something and just enjoy starting something and avoid those chores and avoid the burnout without completing what you set out to do. And I, and I think that's, you can still have passion there, but I have found to really formalize it and there may be exceptions to this but i think anything i've done that i feel is significant for me i look back and i'm most proud that i did the chores that i did the hard work and then that becomes that makes the passion work even more valuable to me is is what i've bled and sweat and you know grieved into sometimes I've been thinking of it while you're talking like an actual fire like if we're, if we're using the word burnout you know, is passion like this actual fire that takes uh, fuel and heat and oxygen in order to survive? But also, if we think about a fire, a fire really kind of has a purpose, and, and it's meant to start and stop. You know, it's meant to flare up and and burn out. There are not any eternal flames walking around in the earth that I know. I've never heard of a real eternal flame anywhere. So th- they have a purpose that they they start they burn and then they burn out um so i wasn't i wasn't thinking that i would have that that idea but when you talked about the idea of the burnout actually being necessary that's that's an interesting take that i hadn't looked at i like i like the analogy because sometimes when you like when you have a a literal fire it dies down into and sometimes there's still embers Mm -hmm. right and i think if you've got the embers sometimes you can stoke the flames or start a new fire with with a minimal effort Mm -hmm. But if they burn completely out, burn out, then you have to start another fight. Like, and that's a, that's so much more work. So I think there is something to be said for momentum. For keeping some embers alive. Yeah, moment. Yeah. Yeah, I think kind of two thoughts, and some of it will tie into your metaphor. <laughs> um, I think the nature of passion is that it's something 
it's going to lead to you going really hard at it sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like I'm so into this and you are going to burn yourself out because you are going for it. It's not, you know, something that you don't care about that you just ho-hum your way through. Like when you're really passionate about something, you throw yourself at it and that fire does burn huge and hot and you use up all your fuel. I think one of the things that's interesting about the nature of passion though is I think usually when we think about it, we think about those like really hot moments. Like I'm feeling, because sometimes like when you're really engaging with the passion, it's almost like a religious fervor. Mm. Like you are just euphoric and in it and it is all consuming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's just, it's passion. Mm -hmm. And so you have these moments that, when you're not in that moment, you look back at those and you're like, that's the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. When, how can I get that feeling back? I'm so burnt out. I don't have that feeling right now. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, there's something to be gained by acknowledging and understanding that passion can have different forms. You know, passion can still have value when it isn't that raging bonfire, when it is just the coals, like when it's playing, it can play different roles in your life. It can be a gentle simmer that helps you through things. It can be, you know, different, you know, it can be cathartic. It can be euphoric and exciting. It can be kind of quiet and subtle. Like there's your passion doesn't have to be all consuming to be a powerful beneficial thing in your life. But we get so hooked on the one version of its role that I think it's easy to overlook the power and value of the other forms it can take. You you prompted something that when we first started talking about this, it, I I had never even thought of. But you know, being autistic and having you know a, what clinicians call special interest, which is a pathologized way to say get really excited about something. Mm. You do have very special interests. <laughs> yeah, I do. But like in college. I took two years of piano and convinced the chair of the music department to give me private lessons. And during that period of time, that was my special, my special interest. I trained all the time. I practiced all the time. That's where you could find me was in a practice room. And I, once that special interest for, for me, there's some people who are autistic. They love dinosaurs since they were six and they will love them till they're, they're done. I, mine come and go and I, I miss my piano as a special interest. I really mourn the loss of that changing. And I wish that that maintained and I wish that I could hold on to that, but it's gone. Mm. Like I can't get that. I don't, like it just, it's done. And there's sometimes where it's like, I don't want to learn about mummies. I really, really do don't but that's the special interest right now so let me tell you about the ones that they found in so for you passion isn't so much a specific fire but it's more about i have x amount of fuel and it's going to be burning on something but not always the passion isn't the thing the passion is the the pursuit of the thing or the interest yeah, it's like in the, the thing. Energy it's, it's the energy investment into the thing. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And I'm going to always have something that I'm chasing. And it may not even be something I like, but I'm just going to be consumed with the, I need to know more. I have to know more. I have to know everything about this. Mm-hmm. One thing I'm thinking about when we're talking about the metaphor of passion as fire <clears throat> and the, the things that are needed to keep a fire alive 
one thing that I think leads very quickly to passion burnout is is taking things too seriously putting too much pressure on passion is like smothering a fire like if you don't give it space to be its own thing you will smother it and it will die and it can burn out because of your pressure that you put on it making it not able to access oxygen which it needs to survive i see that happen a lot when people do try to turn their passion into a business when you put so much pressure on something that it has to become the thing that makes you money, I think that's a, a pretty quick way to lead to passion burnout if you stay too serious about it. Because even, okay, we're a creative company that that makes our income off of making games. These are passion projects that we're working on. However, if this didn't work, we, we'd all we'd be okay, you know? We'd be able to go and, and do something else with our skills. If we put so much pressure on this to serve us for our for our whole life, I think that's when it, the passion burns out of things. Somebody argue with me, tell me I'm wrong. I think that's one of the, I think that's one, I think there are a lot of things that can contribute to that, but I, I see a lot, not, not to shift from what you said, but if you're working in a group on a passion project, <clears throat> things are not always going to go the way that you want them to. And I think making concessions to the way that you see it in your head can have a significant impact on how you apply yourself towards that. Um, you feel like somebody else is stealing your thunder or you feel like the, the great idea that you had went a different direction or you feel like it serves a different purpose or, you know, why is it that color? you know, it should be this color. I mean, doesn't that make sense to everyone? Well, no, it just makes sense to you. That's one, that's one of the, one of the times I see, um, burnout occur from a team perspective. And I'm not just talking about orange Navy, but I'm talking about historically with different types of teams. Um, and it, the nice thing about that though, is it strengthens a muscle that I think we all probably should have strengthened a little bit more, which is celebrating other people's victories and celebrating different perspectives other than our own. I think it should be this way. Well, that is a limited perspective. That's your perspective. That's my perspective, mm -hmm. you know, and then somebody else comes in and Teresa adds, you know, her perspective and then Lacey adds hers and Tom adds his and whatever. And now we've got a more robust thing and i think that's i think it's important also to notice that or to note that sometimes we'll work on a passion project that we think is ours this is what mark's working on but even if you are the epicenter of that if you're going to share it in the world it's going to take other people and they are going to add something to it and they probably will remove something from it and i think that's the nature of community and that's just something to be aware of we talk about community and there's there's something I've seen pop up on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on a, you know several communities that I'm, I'm plugged into. And there's this concept that if you are working on something you're passionate about, you'll never burn out. Mm. And I think I understand their premise and their idea, but it feels so flawed. It feels so inherently wrong. Yeah, I disagree with that completely. <clears throat> yeah, that saying that, you know, <clears throat> if you love if, if you love, love your you job, do, you'll, you'll never work, a day, never work a day in your life. Yeah, that I, I challenge well, that. Well, I think oftentimes passion is serving a very specific role for where you are in your life. You know, like I am so passionate about painting really peaceful scenes of houses and meadows, you know, 
at a certain point, maybe after a year of that, like that passion has done whatever you needed it to do and it's time to move on. It doesn't mean that you're going to be on fire about painting those houses and meadows forever. Passion is serving a role in your life and sometimes it satisfies that role and then it's done. Did you channel another Thomas, maybe a Kincaid just now? Wow. <clears throat> that just happened. She's flexing her intelligence. <laughs> I'm impressed. Yeah. Now we know she's been to college. <laughs> she's heard of artists. <laughs> One thing about working with a team on a passion project too, from my perspective, is it gives you more people to tend the fire, to analyze the health of the fire, to add fuel to the fire. Um, so as long as people know what their jobs are, uh, I think there is a beautiful thing that can happen when a team is working together on a project. When I work on it by myself, I am often too, I just, I, there's not enough that I can give to a passion project to keep it alive if I'm doing it by myself. When I bring other voices and other eyes uh, and other minds into a project, it has a, a whole new life to it. And I even lose some of my ability to burn out on it because now there are other people who are depending on me to keep working on that project. When you're describing other people's passion fueling people's passion fueling other people's passions, yes. which is really cool. I agree. Like you, you might be losing your enthusiasm for something and then Justin comes in the room and is crazy enthusiastic about it. And it kind of reignites your excitement for yes. it or you see it from a slightly different angle because of how someone else is excited about it. And yeah, that's very cool. We, we know that what we can make together is greater than what we can make by ourselves, Right. We know this premise, but I found in my life that oftentimes the passion is the is the the brightest and the hottest when you it's just you right like when you have this idea or this thing that you're building or this vision that you have and you caretake it you have all the ownership right so when you have a team your ownership goes way down it's pieces of the pie right you know we each have 25 percent, or i have 100 or tom and i each have 50. and i think that's an interesting thing to look at because we know that we know that the passion is the is the strongest and the brightest when it's just you and then as you piece it out the ownership goes down but the product gets better but the experience gets better and it reaches more people and it's accessible by more people and it has it takes into account more perspectives and so that's that's an interesting thing to note especially if you're if you're starting out and you're taking risks and you're um you know weighing what you should be doing against other things that you could be doing. Uh, it's just an interesting, it's an interesting conversation. And, and I think it also says a lot about the people around you, right? Who are you surrounding yourself with? Are these like-minded people? Are these people with different perspectives? Are these people that are all have the same perspective? And so there's just a lot of ways that you could take that discussion too. So question for you two, since you guys work quite a bit on the same projects, what I would assume, I'm going to present my premise and then you tell me if this is how this happens. I would assume if you think about it, because you said you have 50% ownership, you have 50% ownership. The concept would be, you know, in practice, you think, oh, well, you guys both have 50% of the passion. My assumption is that is wrong. My assumption is 
from this date to this date, you have 70% of the passion and you're not really feeling it. So you're only representing 30 of that. But then eventually you're like, oh my gosh, and you see this and that like you start getting more passionate about it. And it's not, you're, you kind of feed off each other. You guys don't have a 50, 50 relationship, maybe in aggregate, but at any point in the, in the project, I would assume that there's a big shift. It ebbs and flows between who's putting in, who's feeling the more passion for the project. I think that's always true. I think the metric, I mean, is going to be different. You, You look at any relationship, maybe even a marriage relationship or whatever. Um, you do something for your spouse or your partner and it's not really your thing, but you're doing it because it's their thing, right? Like that's the same type of thing. Like I'm 20% invested in this movie, but she wants to watch it. So she's 80% into it. That's cool. Like that's, that's part of moving something forward. And I, I agree. Like at no point are we ever 50, 50. I mean, very, it seems like we are a lot of the time, but once you know in a mean. while, like on the whiteboard. Yeah. But I think your premise is accurate, like, and it kind of goes to, and and Mark and I are just sort of similar in this, I think, so it works. But like Mark describing how, you know, his passion burns brightest when he's working on something alone and has ownership of it. That is often true for me too. I don't think that's true for everyone, but that is true for both of us. And so we do tend to just sort of hand it back and forth where it's like right now he's really working on it. And he has ownership of it so that that passion can be alive. And I just kind of stay out of the way. And then at a certain point, like it passes to me and he moves on to some other things or whatever. And it's mine right now. And where we become, you know, and sometimes we come together and beat, you know, boom, boom, boom and grind things down and stuff. We come together and boom, boom, boom. We, we, we call it our time in the boom, boom room. Um, this hello. HR, can Help. you come? We need you. Um, but yeah, we, we do need to have those times where we're like right now it's mine and I get to have unleash all my passion on it. I'd be really surprised mm. if introversion, extroversion doesn't play a role in this because I, I heard you say, you know, yours really come to life when there's other people involved. Yeah, because I was going to argue with you. <laughs> that's an extroversion thing. Well, it could be tied, I mm-hmm. guess I should say. And I feel like as an introvert, and I don't know where you're at, I think you're a little more introverted than extroverted. Mm-hmm. Um it could just be the way that we perceive things and the spaces in which we feel most comfortable are alone or in groups. Um, I think it must also have to do with skill sets. Like for myself, I, I'm a, I'm a good visionary. I'm, I'm great at coming up with a concept and, and outlining a plan of where to go. I'm not the best at executing said plan. And so to me, when I come up, when I use my passion to flame up an idea, it doesn't even feel that warm to me until I share it with people because I have this sense that I know that I probably couldn't bring it to life on my own anyway. So I barely feel the heat of it until I've got a group of people who say, yes, we are on board. Let's do this together. And then there can be a fire. Well, there's also an element of this that we're not really talking about, which is like, what is the subject of your passion? What is the goal of it? Mm-hmm. You know, because we're talking about this in a like, you know, professional arena. And, you know, some people are just passionate about quilting because it lets them disconnect from other people and just focus on something that's, you know, private and meditative, you know, painting minis, whatever people are into. They take their minis and to their boom, boom room. They, <laughs> what you do in your boom, boom room. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, so like if the goal is a product, you know, the passion has to serve that end goal. If the goal is I want to be alone and meditate for 30 minutes a day, you know, 
the, that passion is serving a very different purpose. And so your relationship with it and the need for other people is going to be very different. Um, you know, so a lot of this conversation kind of comes at this from our particular, you know, perspective. One of the passions that I've had throughout my life is dance, right? So I grew up dancing and like this incorporating body movement into presentation and idea exchange is a very large passion. Now, I feel like through college when I was on a college dance team and all of a sudden this dance served like a different kind of purpose, I feel like I did burn out a bit on that because I was using this thing that I was passionate about for this different purpose that didn't actually fuel the same thing. So it has actually been many, many, many years since I have flamed that back up. But now all of a sudden I think maybe TikTok was invented just for me to um, take my social media knowledge and also like now it has to be on your resume if you're a social media manager to be able to dance on TikTok. I'm like, it was made for me. I think you're right. I think I'm <laughs> I right. I think the I'm world there. conspired <laughs> we agree. to get you back into dance. I like started learning a little something the other day and all of a sudden I just found myself just, I was just smiling. I mean, like as I'm kind of moving my body and doing this eight count of, of very simple, fun choreography, my face is just beaming and I'm like what is this smile where is this smile been (laughs) I was happy and it made me angry (laughs) (laughs) why did being happy make you so angry it didn't make me angry it made me curious Mm. but maybe maybe maybe, did it make me why have I overlooked this Mm. yeah or why why haven't I been doing this more often I find that I find that sometimes too it's like when you find something you didn't know you lost and you're like where the heck has this been My life could have been so much better if I'd had this the whole time. Forced perspective taking is what it is. It reawakens something. You you took a step back, albeit not with you know not without significant help. Um, But like that, just that that regaging and going, oh my gosh, this is what I've this this perspective is what I've been missing this whole time. Movement for you, no internet for you. Books books help me, and sitting by fires. Not book burning fires, though. No. But then when you're done with the book, you just chuck it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm pretty happy with this overall. I feel like this is a pretty good discussion about passion. I I wasn't planning for the discussion to be totally centered around kind of this concept of it really being a fire. I feel like there's other conversations that we could have around passion. Is it a tank? Like, is it a tank that can be filled and depleted? Um, (laughs) I was was like thinking about like Sherman tanks. Like... (laughs) (laughs) It's but, a panza. But go ahead. <laughs> Quick, list tanks. What are the not tanks an army could tank, not a fish tank. Come on, I'm talking about like a fuel tank. Fish tank. <laughs> Those could so, be half uh, empty too. Passion as a fish tank. Saltwater tank, a brackish tank. A, let's do talk about fish tanks someday. I love fish tanks. With like an octopus This in is it. a passion of mine that has been... Neglected. Neglected. You're so full of crap right now. Uncleaned. I don't think so. He, he named off quite a few types of tanks. Fish tanks are cool. <laughs> <laughs> corrected. Well, if you think fish tanks are cool too, we would love to hear about it. Um, we'd also love to hear about your your idea about passion. What's the best metaphor that you have for passion? Um, we will be talking about this in the Outpost community. So if you're not in any of our Facebook groups, you should head over there and, and find us. If you loved this episode, then give us five stars. If you didn't, just move on. Um, That's right. And, and Five stars or die. <laughs> 
And we're just so grateful to have you here. I'm I'm especially grateful today to have Tom alive and I'm back also to into the that. office. That's my whole thing. And I'm also sad and and happy that Teresa gets to take her her coals to another place and and burn a fire over there. Hopefully I won't get busted for arson. Burn it all down. So I'm Again. I'm I'm alive and she is dead to us. Is that kind of what we're yeah. where we're ending this? Mm-hmm. It's the changing of the guard in the most macabre way. <laughs> it's just life. You know, you live, you die. Okay, we will talk to you all soon. <laughs> Thank you for coming by. Uh, stay inspired. Think bigger. We love you. We will talk to you soon. You Bye. live, you die. Stay inspired. <laughs> <laughs>